Well, the choir's taking their seat. I wish all of you a happy feast day. Now, you get, you get double graces today, see, because it's the feast day. And also that, 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 that pre-approves you for two desserts. Two de- all right. Some of us already do that, but <laughs> you're pre-approved for this. So, again, we have a, uh, a glorious patron in St. Cyprian and also the Holy Spirit. Not two, two pretty good patron saints, all right? All right, one of them is God, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I would say to you that uh, today, I want to speak a little bit about this gospel, but I also want to announce a bit about the theme for the year ahead of us. So permit me uh, a double dose as well, but I'll try to keep both of them to the point. This gospel is about forgiveness, and it's one of the hardest things the Lord asks of us. We tend to think, oh, well, he asked us to restrain ourselves from, you know, uh, unlawful sexual desires or drink or too much food or what have you. Yes, yes, that's hard. But the hardest one of all, I think, for most of us, if we're honest, is to forgive. Because some of us have been deeply hurt by other people. And the pain is very real. And it almost seems cruel that someone should ask us, and that someone is the Lord, to forgive from our hearts is a hard saying. And it is something I think we all know we ought to be able to do, but it's something that we struggle to do. So let's set the basis for it and then maybe just a kind of a quick remedy. First of all, St. Peter does ask this question and it follows on last Sunday's gospel. Don't See, sometimes we have a week between the two Gospels and we just forget the Gospel from last week. The Gospel last week was that it is important to, with charity but with clarity, correct the sinners among us, including the first guy, the one in the mirror. Huh? To be corrected and to correct is part of Christian charity, and we ought to do it. And a lot of us neglect out of fear, mostly, to correct one another. But this gospel flows just on that gospel from last week. And so Peter then says, um, what, the, what the Lord is really trying to do in last Sunday's gospel isn't to th- tell, tell sinners to take a hike, but to summon them to repentance so they can stay, stay with the Lord, stay with the church, to reconcile them to reconcile all of us. And so Peter, picking up on this, says, Lord, you mean if my brother forgives me, I should forgive as many times as seven? Now, don't just hear the number seven. Because seven in, in, in Jewish kind of thinking is a kind of the full, a, a number of fullness. It's a number of um, completeness. And so you mean to say I have to be like completely forgiving? And the Lord sort of takes him and he says, not just seven times though, Peter, seven times 70 times. Don't, don't think 490. Okay. Just think lots, lots, without real limit. That forgiveness is something that we're summoned to do in all cases. And this is hard because there are some people who do not seek our forgiveness. There are some people who do not, in a certain sense, deserve our forgiveness because they are not repentant. 
But it's not about, we'll talk about this more in a moment, but it's not about them as much as it's about us and being healed of the hurts that others have inflicted on us. But the Lord tells this parable. I just want to call a couple points out on it. And the parable is simply one that we, we've heard before. But there was a man, it says, who owed a huge amount. Now, the, the Greek text speaks of the amount as 10,000 talents. I mean, what I want you to, you know, again, just don't hear 10,000. Hear lots. Hear, hear national debt amounts, trillions, okay? Lots of money, y'all. Lots. You're not going to work a little overtime and pay this bill off. And the Lord, the Lord says, as he had no way of repaying it, well, somebody say amen. <laughs> That's us. So the first thing we want to see is that there's a man who had a debt he could not pay. And that is you and me. Every one of us. See, what we tend to do is compare ourselves to each other. And we think, well... I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not like that prostitute or that politician or that, you know, fill in the blank. But that's not the standard. The standard is given by Jesus. You must be perfect as a heavenly father is perfect. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> See, part one of being forgiving is to experience forgiveness. And we like and are often told to kind of just sort of keep good self-esteem and, and just sort of say, well, I'm basically a good person and not look at the stuff. But I want you to know you have a debt that you cannot pay. St. Paul said that we all started out in this life even as little infants. He says that before our baptism, we were dead in our sins. Dead in our sins. You mean my cute little baby? Yep, that's why you better get him to baptism ASAP. <laughs> Don't delay that baptism. Well, we're going to wait a couple years until... No, 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 right? Let's get it done. See, we're, we're born into a condition of grave debt because we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And we need to be touched by the mercy of God from the first moment of our conception. We need that touch. And... To the degree that you and I can get in touch with just how grave our condition is, then we can begin to experience the incredible power of God's mercy. But until that happens, we're going to be kind of glib and say, well, you know. But if you, will, if you and I will sit before the cross and say, is it really that bad, Lord? Yeah, it's that bad. He told a sister in the convent, Sister Faustina, he says, Sister Faustina, she said, Faustina, if you were ever to see the true horror of what you are, you would die of fright. Well, Father, I come here for self-esteem. That doesn't sound very nice. But it, 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 it's true. And if we can get in touch with that, it's not so that we dwell on it and become self-negative, but it's just the opposite. that We can say, oh, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. For the enormous mercy you've shown me. I can't even begin to get my mind around how grateful I should be for what you've done for me in dying for me. St. Paul says it's, it's thinkable that somebody might die on behalf of a good person. But Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies. In a horrifying condition of rebellion vengefulness, bitterness, hatefulness, all the whatever you want to put in that sentence. 
We were mocking him and laughing and cursing and spitting at him while he was on that cross. Only four or five, Mary and Mary and Mary and Mary Clopas and, and Salome were there with John, the, the apostle. Everyone else had bugged out. And the ones who remained were cursing and spitting and saying, come down from that cross. And so it is that this is our condition. And all of us have in some way ratified that negativity. Now, I don't want to overdwell on it, so I'll move on. But you, you, we cannot really get our minds around this unless we pray a lot in front of the cross. But I tell you, it is the paradoxical antidote to forgiving others. Because once we begin to lay hold of our need for forgiveness, a debt we could never pay, once we get a hold of that and then the full glory of God's mercy begins to dawn on us, now we're joyful, we're alive, we're thankful, we're grateful because God's been so good to me. Grateful people are different. They're more joyful, they're more forgiving, they're more merciful, they're more kind because they're filled with joy. And that's the goal. Now, that's what this man in the parable missed. He did, it hadn't quite dawned on him the condition he really was in. And when the master forgave the debt, he was happy for a minute, but it didn't really sink in. And so somebody owes him 500 bucks, according to the parable, and he throttles him and throws him into prison, debtor's prison, until his family comes up with the money. Wow. What happened? What didn't happen to that guy? He, it didn't occur to him. Don't be that guy. Did you hear me? But too easily we are because we haven't done our homework and sat at the foot of the cross and let the Lord anoint us with this understanding of the kind and depth and glory of mercy that he's shown us. All our sins forgiven. And if we fall again, come back. I, I, I'll never turn away from you if you call on me he's so good to us how can we go out and be so unforgiving and not so good to other people but we do and all I can do is call all of us including myself back to the foot of the cross and say never forget that every time you walk into this church the first thing you're going to see is the Lord on the cross and him dwelling in the tabernacle with us right here in the center Fall on your knees with gratitude and be grateful. And then the cry of the psalm goes up. What return could I ever make to the Lord for all the good he's done for me? The cup of salvation I'll lift up and I'll call on the name of the Lord. So cross and Eucharist are joined together. Thanksgiving and the cross. The cross and thanksgiving. A couple of more thoughts on this gospel, just to say that there's many texts that warn us about the, I'll call it the mathematics of the kingdom. And the mathematics of the kingdom come down to this. The measure that you measure to others will be measured back to you. The measure that you measure to others will be measured back to you. And so, if you and I are harsh and condemning, Severe with other people. That's the standard the Lord will use to judge us. Now, 
Y'all, I want to just tell you something. On the day of judgment, I'm going to be counting on grace and mercy. <laughs> I'm going to need it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, what the Lord is basically saying is you can actually affect the judgment of the standard by which I'll judge you. I can be harsh and severe. Say, hang them high. Look at every detail of every little thing you got wrong. Like some people do to their spouses. They got this book that's all the faults and failures of my spouse. I said, well, where's the other book? Well, what do you mean that other book? Well, the one where they, they did beautiful things for you. Oh, oh, I don't have that book. No, wait, wait. If, if that's the way you're going to be with others, says the Lord, then that's how I'll judge you. But here's the beautiful thing. If you're merciful to others, I'll be merciful to you. If you forgive, I'll forgive you. I just want to read quickly just a few of these quotes that remind us of this mathematics of the kingdom. Jesus says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive, neither will your father forgive you. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to need forgiveness. Looks like I better get into the forgiving business, huh? Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. But the book of James warns in the second chapter, merciless is the judgment on the one who has not shown mercy. Mm. Or Matthew 7, verse 2. The same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure that you measure to others will be measured out to you. Goes on to finally say that um, um, this is how my heavenly father will treat all of you if you do not. Forgive your brother from your heart. That's how this gospel ends today. And the first reading today gave us some pretty good advice from Sirach. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance. Sounds like we better not be vengeful. I don't want to suffer the Lord's vengeance. Anyone else? Okay, good. So then the vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance. So don't be vengeful. For he remembers the vengeful sins in detail. <laughs> Woo! I'm, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to forget my sins and put them behind him and remember them no more, all right? Okay. Forgive your neighbor's injustice, and when you pray, your sins will be heard. You want your prayers heard? Get in the forgiving business. Can anyone nourish anger against another and then expect to be healed by the Lord? You want healing? Show some healing. Can anyone refuse mercy to someone like himself, and then go and seek mercy from the Lord? No. Remember your last days. Set all this enmity, this hatred aside, and call on the Lord's mercy. And the final thing I'll say about the gospel, where I began, this is hard. Because some of you, some, I would say all of us, but some more than others have been deeply hurt and harmed by the sinful things that people have done to you in the past. And it almost seems cruel that the Lord says to us, you ought to forgive. Now, in a kind of a similar pattern of sitting before the cross and looking at our own sins and experiencing God's mercy, let's go back to the foot of the cross. And let me, speak, let, let, let me speak for Jesus for a moment and the Heavenly Father. 
And, 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 and let, let, let them speak through me for a moment to say something to you that's really the premise of forgiveness. And it goes like this. Look, I know what that person did to you or what they didn't do for you. I know. Believe me, I know. And I want to assure you of something. I, the Lord, am assuring you of this, that if they die unrepentant, they're going to answer to me for what they have done to you or failed to do for you. They will answer to me. I promise this to you. Now, take that pain and that anger and that hurt that you're still carrying around, those three bowling balls you carry all day long, give them to me. Give them to me. They will answer to me. Now, you be done with it. They're sleeping fine at night. You're tormented by this. For refusing to forgive them is like you drinking, uh, you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I love you, says the Lord. I know it's hard. And they will answer to me. I will right every wrong. I will correct the scales of justice. I have said it and I will do it. Now give me your hurt, your anger, and maybe that vengeance too. Give it to me. I'll carry it. And you'll be free. I think if we can really hear the Lord authentically say that to us, that we can understand that really to forgive means to give it for God to handle. Turn the word around. To forgive means give it for God to handle. And you be free. Forgiveness doesn't mean we can always live in peace with everyone. Maybe the, maybe the whole thing is still too poisonous. They, they would continue to inflict harm not just on you but other people that you love. It isn't always possible to just go back to things before the hurt happened. But we don't have to go on in hatred and constant remembrance and remembering and remembering and remembering the hurts and rehearsing them. We don't have to do that. We can be free. Give it to God and say, Lord, I hope they'll be saved someday, but I just give it to you now. I know they'll answer to you now. It's all right. We're not always going to get justice in this world for everything. But God will execute perfect justice. Trust him. And let go. Again, we can't solve every human problem. Not everybody can simply be welcomed back into our life, but we don't have to go on with all the poison. Give it for God. Forgive. Give it for God. And that's what I would say about this gospel today. It's a pivotal gospel because many of us carry hurts. And they're real. But rehearsing them and becoming more and more angry and renewing the wound from day to day is not the answer. Forgiveness is the answer. And it's not cruelty. It's freedom. That's what God is offering us. I would say to you then, as I, on this feast of St. Cyprian, a very interesting little observation about that. At his martyrdom, he paid his executioner. This is a sign of graciousness, of forgiveness. 
He didn't go spitting at the guy and saying, how dare you take my life? Who do you think you are? He didn't do any of that. He went. He received the sentence of the emperor. He refused to acknowledge something he couldn't acknowledge, that the Roman gods were gods. He said, I can't burn incense to them. I have a Lord. I have a Savior. And he's told me never to break the first commandment. So respectfully to the emperor, I cannot do what you ask. He then received the sentence of the emperor. He didn't say, curse that emperor. Who does he think? He said, blessed be God. He went, took aside his garments, paid his executioner, and endured. And now he's a martyr with God in heaven. And those who did what they did to him out of wickedness will answer to God, have answered to God for what they did. And there's a beautiful picture then of our patron saint, St. Cyprian. On this feast, I, though, as your pastor, want to announce to you, uh, like I often do on this feast day, a kind of a theme for the year. Because you see, as I've just said, if we can experience God's mercy, and the more we experience it, the deeper it becomes in us, our gratitude just goes out of bounds, and we become changed by that. And so, therefore, again, the cross and the forgiveness and the mercy of God and our sins meet at the cross... And the thanksgiving just below there in the tabernacle, Jesus, who is our perfect thanksgiving to the Father. And so this year, the United States bishops have announced it's the year of the Eucharist, so that for all of us, there's concern among the bishops that there has been a great loss of an understanding that the Eucharist that we celebrate isn't just a symbol of Jesus, but it really is Jesus. The bre- Jesus says the bread is my flesh. And then he said over the cup, this is my blood. And I'm not going to give a whole defense of the true presence today. I'm setting out the theme for the year, and we're going to study this in greater detail. But I want you to know that when you receive the Lord in the Eucharist, it's not a symbol or a sign or a remembrance. It is the Lord that you receive. And he's the perfect thanksgiving to give back to the Father. He alone perfectly thanks the Father. It says at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. And said, now this is my body. He took the cup and again he gave thanks. He said, this is now the cup of my blood. And you should now join me for this. Do this in remembrance of me because we need to thank the Father that he sent me to shed my blood and give my body over for you to forgive you your sins and to feed you with food on the journey. (gasps) Grateful, thankful people should gather and throng these churches every Sunday and say, Lord, we messed up down here, but you're so good to us. But too many don't today. Too many churches... There are empty pews. People have lost a sense of what the Lord wants to do for us in the Eucharist, to meet with us and feed us with his body and blood and join us to his perfect act of thanksgiving to the Father who deserves and is worthy of our praise. And so this year we will commence this great study, this great work of the Eucharist. Now, I'll read you a couple of quotes from St. Cyprian, and then lay out the basic plan before you and then be done. But I I, I want to just allow Cyprian, our patron today, to speak to us. 
First of all, regarding the liturgy itself, how we celebrate. There's a tendency today, and I'm guilty of it too, to become a little sloppy, to become, the whole thing is kind of routine. You know, maybe I don't comb my hair as much as I should. Most of you know that's the shock of hair. Uh, do I, you know, the shoes and how do we dress? How do we act at mass? How do we, when we enter God's house, are we focused? Are we reverent? Are we paying attention? Or are we kind of, you know, doing the checkbook? Or I guess nobody does checkbooks anymore, but, you know, getting online or, you know, little sneaky looks down there at the text that just came in. So here's what St. Cyprian says about the liturgy itself and our need to have care and attentiveness to the sacred liturgy. He says, now he's speaking about bishops, but certainly priests as well, and all of us who celebrate at the liturgy. Bishops who are set over the churches of the Lord by divine condescension must maintain the plan of the gospel. That is to say, we must preach the truth of the gospel and the tradition of the Lord, and that we should not be bound by human novelties or depart from that which Christ our Lord both prescribed, taught, and did. Then he turns his attention to the details of the liturgy. He says, nothing must be done except what our Lord first did on our behalf. And so it is that we must follow this pattern, this model of the Lord that the Lord gave us, which we call the Holy Mass. And we must adhere to it and be attentive to it as the church has handed this on. Now, I don't have time to develop it with you, but we're going to do a, a series on the Mass, and you'll see that the things that we, the way we celebrate the liturgies today are quite es essentially unchanged from the very earliest days of the, of the Masses that were celebrated by the apostles and their immediate successors. The two parts of the Mass, gathering for the liturgy of the Word, listening attentively, and then turning to the altar of God and following with great care the great prayer of thanksgiving and the words of our Lord who said, do this in memory of me. We do this Mass, not just because it pleases us, we do this Mass out of obedience to God who told us how to worship in and through his Son, and also in the Old Testament. Many of those things pointed to the New Testament, and Jesus took these traditions, raised them up to a higher level, and gave them back to us, and we are obliged to follow. We don't just get, go to church to get fed. You do get fed, but you go to church because you owe this to God. I owe this to God. This is our worship. This is what we do, and we obey the basic and fundamental precepts of the Lord in the liturgy and the way we celebrate it. Now, St. Cyprian goes on to talk about not just the liturgy itself, but our need for the Eucharist. And so he's meditating on a line from the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And he says, he links it to the Eucharist, and he says that we ask that this bread from heaven be given to us daily, or certainly every Sunday. And we pray also in this petition from the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread, that we may not, by some serious sin, be prevented from taking Holy Communion. For we must receive it. For the Lord himself says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Some people think it's no big deal to skip Mass, you know, just skip it. 
Got other things to do. You know, got to detail the car, get to the game early, you know. Unless, did you hear that word? Unless, 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 unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And so Cyprian says, every time you pray that our Father, remember, you're asking God, keep me in a good state of grace so that I don't miss receiving Holy Communion from you, which I desperately need. It's like the manna in the desert. If they didn't need that manna, they would have never made it to the promised land. And now, for us, the Eucharist. And a third quote, that we should have a kind of a coherence, that when we receive Holy Communion, that we're, we're saying that I'm with Jesus, not just in that he's present, but what he teaches. So he says here, we who are soldiers of Christ ought to prepare ourselves with uncorrupted faith. That is to say, you actually believe all that stuff. Oh, well, you know, I know the church says, but, you know, that's kind of old-fashioned. I'll, I'll skip that one, but I'll take these and these and these. That's not uncorrupted faith. So, again, soldiers of Christ ought to prepare themselves with uncorrupted faith and robust courage. Why? Because the world's against many of these teachings. And we must consider that we drink of the cup of the Lord's blood. And therefore, there arises in us an oblivion of the former worldly attitudes that we had. And indeed, when the holy, precious blood of the Lord is received in his body, we therefore receive the Lord and his whole truth. Now this, by the way, explains something that we don't, are, are not able to invite non-Catholics to receive Holy Communion with us. It isn't out of being snobs, but simply because when you come forth and you say amen, you're not just saying, yeah, I think that's really Jesus. I think that's a swell thing. I'm, I'm really with Jesus, you know. But, but what you're really saying is the full answer when we receive someone into Holy Communion with the church, they are required to say the following. I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church believes, teaches, and professes to be revealed by God. Now, out of fairness and respect, there are some who are not ready to say that. They are separated brethren. They have decided that some of the teachings of the Catholic Church, they don't think God revealed. <laughs> I'm not going to force them, but I'm also not going to trot them up and make them say an amen that they don't mean. So it's out of respect for non-Catholics that we say, don't come forward for communion. Because again, as Cyprian is saying, there has to be a coherence that when we receive this bread and this, this blood of the Lord, this body and blood of the Lord, we're saying... I'm with the Lord. He's in me and I'm in him and I believe everything that, that his holy church teaches me to believe is revealed by him. I may struggle to keep it all. I may be a sinner, but I'll get to confession. But I do believe it. And that's what's asked. Now, this will be developed in the year to come. I've got to wrap this up because, well, you, you know a lot longer than I do that this has been too long to begin with. In your bulletin, there is a flyer. And a beautiful flyer here. And on the back side of that flyer is a kind of a year-long program. I just want to introduce the basic components to you. You can read for the details. But we want to have a few ongoing things this year that will help us to learn more about the Eucharist and to experience greater devotion to Jesus, who is truly present in the Eucharist. Now, 
we're going to have ongoing, like we do every Friday, adoration. We have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in this church every Friday from 6 to 7. We're going to try to beef that up and encourage more of you to come, groups to attend together, and so on. So we want to encourage more and more to come because Jesus in the tabernacle is truly present, and we take the host out, place it in a very large display thing. We call it a monstrance, and people spend an hour in quiet prayer with the Lord. And this is something to grow in and develop as a parish. We are also going to give some series um, uh, that we want to do ongoing series. First of all, the Mass in Slow Motion, where all the details of the liturgy will be explained. And I'll, I try to show you in that series how these aren't just new things we came up with recently. These are ancient practices. So I'll, I'll do that with you. Likewise, we're going to have a series of Eucharistic miracles. There are many miracles related to the Eucharist down through the centuries, and we're going to detail and highlight those for you and encourage you to be amazed, amazed. Jesus signals us, I need you to know I really am here, and he shows it to us. We also, in an ongoing way, we'll have this prayer card that I hope you'll all take a copy home with you. There's some on the back. And if you're, if you're going to a meeting in the parish or all of our parish meetings, I want you to start with these prayers at every meeting in the parish this year. Right. One of them says beautifully, I'll, I'll, I'll finish it at the end, but it's, it's, there's, some beautiful, there's a couple of beautiful prayers. Now, we wanted to have it today, but you know how it goes, you know. Uh, we're temporarily out of stock. It's on back order. But there's a Eucharistic pin that I want to give all of you one, and you can wear it. And it's beautiful. And when I wear it, you know, on my lapel, people say, what's that? Oh, and I, it's, just, it's a conversation starter. That's Jesus, my Lord. I mean, it's, a, it's a reminder that Jesus is in the church, and I go to pray. But we should wear it here in the church when you come on Sundays. Let's, let's be together in this growth in the Eucharist. It's that sign. Some scheduled events. We are going to have our Lenten Bible study and our, our Advent Bible study. We're going to grow in our understanding of the Eucharist right out of the Scriptures. Likewise, we're going to have an Advent family day and a, a, a Lenten family day where we encourage some of you to come and do some quick study there, too. All right? We're also going to have a pivotal event in Lent, 40 Hours Devotion, where for 40 straight hours this church will be open and people will be in this church adoring our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Okay. More to be announced and come along, but take this flyer and hold on to it, and we're going to make more copies available, and there's a little QR code for those of you who prefer that approach. Um, but... Um, we want to focus on the Eucharist this year because our bishops have asked. We heard St. Cyprian teach us today. And we also just ought to be growing in knowledge of our good and holy Catholic faith, who is ultimately Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the truth, says the Lord. And when we receive Holy Communion, we receive him who is the truth. We need to grow in our knowledge of the truth. And know that he is the way, the only way back to the Father. Well, so this is the year ahead of us. And as your pastor, I ask you for your prayerful cooperation. That almost everything we do this year be intentionally focused back to what we do here in the church. With our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament and the Holy Eucharist. Because it's all about Jesus. We do serve the poor. Why? Because the Lord served us with his body and blood. How can I go out and not share of myself with others. And so everything we do is linked back to this, everything. And so again, this is our year 
So I ask you to be attentive. Some of these things will come to you in bulletin and we'll have some posters and things, but at the end of the day, a lot of it will be online and sent to you for flock notes and things. We're going to ask you to sign up for different flock note groups and stuff so that you can get this information uh, all throughout the year. So somebody say, um, how's it going? Say, oh, I'll tell you right now, the Eucharist. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm just grateful, grateful, grateful. All right. Now I'm going to finish then. The official theme of the year is, you know, living uh, it says here at the top of the flyer, living with Jesus in the Eucharist. But to put it more colloquially for some of us, Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here right now. Stop by, make visits. If you're too far from this church, stop by your parish church. Make visits. Greet the Lord. Salute him. He's in the Eucharist here. If you have the prayer card, you might not yet. They're in the back, but... You can turn it over, and I'm going to read the one at the bottom just to end this homily. And I'm going to ask St. Cyprian to intercede for us and say simply this. May the heart of Jesus, in the most blessed sacrament, be praised, adored, and loved with grateful affection at every moment in all the tabernacles of the world, even unto the end of time. Let the church say.